Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. I'm thankful for victory today, aren't you? Victory over the enemy, victory over all the challenges that we face in our lives. God has given us that victory. And so I encourage you to live in that, live in that victory every single day and not let the enemy uh, rob you from what God has already provided for you. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Uh, verse 38 through 42 is where I'm going to spend the majority of my time today. Uh, we're continuing our series on seeking rest. And today I'm going to focus in on talking about rest uh, found in the presence of Jesus. And uh, I think that we have to understand that if we're going to really uh, find true rest, meaningful rest, it only comes from being in the presence of Jesus Christ. And I mean, that's where we find restoration, renewal. That's where God molds us and makes us into what we ought to be. And so today we're going to focus on that. Let's look at our series text this morning. It says, Come to me in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And let me read it to you also from the message. It says, Are you tired, worn out? Burned out on religion, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. You only watch how he does it by being in his presence. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And everybody says amen to that as well. Last week I spoke to you concerning the Sabbath and talked to you about the principle of rest and engaging in that principle of rest in your life. We talked about honoring the Sabbath, deciding to take time and to, take, uh, to make time, not just take time, but to make time to honor the principle of rest in our lives. It's something that we're going to have to fight for, something we're going to have to work uh, to accomplish. It's not something that's just going to happen by happenstance or just... Uh, you're going to be able to walk into that. You're going to have to, to work at uh, providing for seasons and moments of rest in your life. We also talked about enjoying those seasons of rest, not letting uh, all the things that we have to do uh, affect the time that we're trying to spend recuperating and recovering. And so we have to make the most of those times and learning really to take, like the Bible says here in the passage of the message, uh, learning to take the real rest that God is talking to us about. And then lastly, we talked about preparing for those days, working my week in a conscious effort to prepare for a day off so that when I continue uh, to try to engage in the principle, I continue to honor it, I continue to enjoy it because I don't have something else uh, pulling me away from it. And so uh, I just challenge you, and I hope that that is something that you are taking to heart and really beginning to implement in your own life. We all need to have a Sabbath. We need to have a season of rest, a time of rest, uh, so that God can use us effectively and efficiently in the other aspects of our lives. Let's look at Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. And I want to read to you a passage here 
uh, concerning two ladies, Mary and Martha. Verse 30, it says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part which will not be taken away from her. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but I am a fan of Martha. I've always been a fan of Martha. I'm in Martha's cheering section. So I'm not against Martha by any means today, but I think that there's some things that we can learn not only from Martha, but also from Mary. You know, I, 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 I feel Martha's pain. Anybody else in the house know what I'm talking about? Mary, get off of your backside and get up and help me do something in this house. All the, all the people taking care of their house ought to give me a big amen to that. Amen. Amen. So this is not beat up on Martha Day, but actually what it is, is is actually we can learn something from both of them. And so we're going to look at that. So today I want to preach to you choosing, choosing the good part. Choosing the good part. Would you help me pray? Father, we thank you, Lord, today for the presence of God that is in this place. Lord, we ask that you would help us to learn how to engage your presence at a deeper level. That, Lord, we would learn to, to enter in into your gates and into your courts, Father, and to really learn how to, how to receive from you the restoration and renewal that we desperately need in our lives, God, and that we would make this a regular routine uh, of, our, of our serving you. That God, we would connect with you through worship. We would connect with you through spending time in your presence, and we would understand the importance, the value, and even the, why, the how-to uh, accomplish that, Father. And I ask that you would just bless this service today. Help me to, to, to communicate these principles and ideas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Look back at verse 38 and let's see what lessons that we can find here from uh, the lives of Mary and Martha. Luke 10, verse 38 says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now, who welcomed him into their house? It was Martha, right? Martha understood this. She understood the need for God's presence. And that's my first point is this, that we need His presence. You cannot live apart from His presence. You cannot be uh, an effective Christian apart from His presence. We have never really been without God's presence at some level in our lives. He's everywhere. He's involved. Even whether you recognize it or honor Him or acknowledge Him at all, it doesn't matter. He's still involved in your life. So we've never really lived without His presence, but we need His presence in a more concentrated fashion in our lives. It's not enough just for me to know He's there. I need to to walk into a place where I feel Him there, where I know Him there, when I am overwhelmed by the fact that I am standing before the Master and I can sense and feel His presence washing over my life. We need His presence, church. 
A church without the presence of God is a church that's on its way out. A church must have God's presence and you as a Christian must have His presence operating in your life. We need His presence this morning. You can't find true rest without it. He is the only truly safe haven that you'll ever find in your life. He is the only hiding place that really matters. He is the only shelter that can truly shelter you from all of life's difficulties and challenges. And it's in Him that we find true rest. And aside from His presence, there really is no rest apart from Christ. We cannot find restoration and hope and redemption. There is none of that without Jesus Christ. So Martha sees that. She understands the need for God to show up, for Jesus to show up in her life. And so she sees the need for Christ and she is the catalyst, if you will, that brings His presence into her home. Think about that for a minute. She is the catalyst here. And if she has a saving grace in this story, if she has has a win in this story, it's the fact that she is the initiator of God's presence coming into her home. She is the one that goes out and finds Jesus and welcomes Him in to her home. She's the one that set the whole deal up. Without Martha, Jesus doesn't make an appearance in this particular story. And so my challenge to you from that is simply this, that we need to be a catalyst for His presence. You need to be a catalyst for His presence. You need to be the one in your own home and in your church that welcomes the presence of God into into this house and into your house. And the way you do that is simply by inviting Him and welcoming Him in to, to the place. I engage Him. I invite Him. I come and I connect with Him. I go out in a sense, I find Him. Martha, here she goes and she discovers where Jesus is. She goes to Him and she begins to invite Him in to her home. And in the same way, that's the way we do it. Jesus said, if you seek me, you'll find me. And so as we begin to seek after the Lord and look for Him and we find Him and we invite Him to be a part of our everyday life, we invite Him to be a part of our church, we invite Him to be a part of our households, and the presence of God will fill the place. We have to invite Him and welcome Him into this house. We have to invite Him and welcome Him into this house. God is a gentleman. His his presence will only go where His presence is invited His presence will only go where His presence is welcomed. He's only going to go and be a part of something that that, that wants Him to be a part of it. And so every week that we come in here, worship is a critical part of that. It is our opportunity to really welcome the presence of God into this house and invite Him to be a part of what we're doing. I don't want to do anything without Him this morning. Can somebody give me a witness today? I don't want to do anything apart from Him. Because the Bible clearly tells us apart from Him we can do nothing. Nothing that matters. And so we welcome Him by creating an atmosphere that honors His character and it honors His ways. We uh, we honor Him by showing reverence for who He is and what He's done. That's what worship is about. It's about adoration and about honoring a God who has done it all for us. Recognizing His character and His attributes. We need His presence. Without His presence, church, we have nothing. Continuing on, verse 
39, it says, And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Martha understood that she needs the presence of God, but Mary understands how to rest in his presence. Martha is the catalyst that brings Jesus into the house. But Mary teaches us how to really be in his presence. It's not enough just to get him in the room. We want to be in his presence. We want to be near him. Now our second point this morning is learn how to rest in his presence. We have to learn how to rest in the presence of Jesus. Mary, it says here that Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. The first step to learning how to rest in his presence is sitting still at Jesus' feet. When you think about that terminology, sitting at his feet, there's a lot of things that comes to mind. First of all, it speaks to me of teachability. When I go and I sit at the feet of someone, I'm opening myself up to their tutelage to learn from them and to grow from them. To really allow them to impart themselves into my life. I am submitting myself to their teaching and to their guidance and direction in my life. And so it speaks of teachability. Mary sat at his feet and she's listening intently to what the Lord has to say to her. It also speaks of humility. When I sit at someone's feet, I'm admitting that I don't know everything. That that I've got a lot to learn. And that there's others that can actually help me in my life. And I'm, I'm humbling myself and I'm submitting myself. And I'm, and I'm walking in humility, which is an open door to teachability and to really embracing the gifts and the blessings of God. So it speaks of humility. It also speaks of honor. That she honors him by stopping, recognizing who he is, what he's done And what he's going to do. And really putting her in a place where she is in awe of the one who has done it all. When's the last time that we walked into the presence of Jesus and stood in awe of what he has done? Truly stood in awe of what he has done for us. Church, we've got to get to the place on a regular basis where we come into the presence of God and we are all struck by His majesty and His grace and His redemption and His goodness in us. What He has done for us and how He has changed us, how He has saved us and how He has redeemed us. Mary gets in the floor as Jesus sits in the room and she just soaks up everything that He says. Every word He speaks, she hangs on it. It also speaks of the fact that she's close. The only way to get into the presence of God is to draw close. To get closer. He says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. As we approach him, he approaches us. As we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And he invites us into a deeper and closer and more intimate relationship with him. When's the last time we got close to Jesus? Let's get close to him. It also speaks of the fact that she's tuned in. She's listening. She's not focused on whatever thing else that needs to be done in the house. She's not focused on her sister. Don't you know that Martha, as she's walking through the house, she ain't doing it quiet. She's slamming pots. She's banging on on, uh, the countertops. She's a-huffing and a-puffing the whole time. Because the the last effort she puts out is the one where she actually goes to Jesus and says, hey, do something about this. 
She's done a whole lot of other things prior to that to try to get Mary's attention, but Mary's tuned in. Mary ain't picking up on all of her subtleties. The way probably weren't very subtle. But she ain't picking up on that. Why? Because she is tuned in to what the master's saying. We are easily distracted. We are easily taking our focus and our attention off of the things that we're supposed to be doing. And when we come into this house, what are we here for? We're here to lift up the name of Jesus. We're here to worship Him and honor Him. And Mary is seizing the opportunity right here to learn from the Master. The second step to really learning how to rest in His presence is found when it says Mary heard His Word. She's not just listening to His Word, but she's hearing His Word. She takes it in. She eats of whatever Jesus is, is dishing out, the bread of life here. And she's taking it in. And it's, she's allowing it to transform her and mold her. So when is the last time you just sat at His feet and rested in His presence? When is the last time you, you walked into to your home or to your church and you simply get caught up in the presence of Jesus. We need that. There's nothing more transformative, more uh, restoring than that right there, coming into the presence of God. When's the last time you truly heard the word that He's speaking over you? I realize that it is a difficult thing sometimes to hear God speaking into my life. There's a lot of things that are trying to jockey for my attention, that are trying to to encroach upon my mind. And it's hard for me to hone in and really focus on what God's saying. And that's why it's so critical that when we come in here to worship, that we clear the slate, that we just wipe the slate clean, that we prepare a blank canvas here for God to begin to write a portrait of our lives upon. And when we do that, we can start not only hearing, listening, but really hearing what God is saying to us. I want the Word of God to transform me, not just to, to uh, poke at me or provoke me, right? I don't want it just to gouge me a little bit. I don't want it to just step on my toes. I want it to transform my life and change me from the inside out. And so for that to happen, I've got to hear what God is saying to me. One key to that, church, is taking God's Word as your own, as for what it says to me. I think we're all good and, and it's not us. I'm going to give us a pass. I don't think it's us. I think it's the enemy. Okay, let's blame the devil for this one. Um, I think it's easy for us to think about how the word applies to somebody else's life much easier than it is for us to think about how it applies to my own life. And the enemy is great about pointing out about how others are failing in the way that, that the scripture is communicating the way we should live. But where we have to, to, to really uh, check ourselves is going back and saying, God, I ain't worried about how it affects somebody else. I'm, not, I'm Martha, and I'm not worried about how it's affecting Mary here. What I'm worried about is how it's affecting me. How is this changing my life? How, how can I be better? How can I grow? How can I be different? How can I be a, a catalyst for you in changing this, this church and community? How does it apply to me? It is in learning to sit at His feet and hear His word that we come to realize that He is God and He is still all I need. And in that I can find rest for my soul and my mind. 
Bible says in Psalms 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. Martha wasn't still long enough to really engage the Master. Learning to rest in his feet, at His feet means I get still long enough for Him to speak to me. I get still long enough, still in my soul, still in my actions, and just still in, in the sense of just being all in to what I'm doing in that moment. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care? <laughs> do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Therefore, tell her to help me. Martha understood the need of his presence, but understanding the need is not enough. Hear me today. Martha understood that there is a need for Jesus to be present in my home. She understood that there is a need for Jesus to be present in my life. There's a need for Jesus to be present in my church. There's a need for Jesus to be present everywhere I go. But that's not enough. We also have to take and steal ourselves and actually engage Him in coming into His presence. When it comes to the kingdom of God, listen to me, and serving Christ, desire without surrender yields no results. I'm going to say it again, because April said it was good, so I'm going to say it again. When it comes to God, the kingdom of God and serving Christ, desire without surrender yields no results. You think about it for a moment. You can desire to be all that you want to be from God, but if you don't surrender to His calling, surrender to His direction, surrender to His presence, then you're not going to yield any results. Why? Because we have not gone the distance to really engage and release the presence of God in our current activity. And if you don't engage the presence of God and release His presence through your life apart from Him, again, you can do nothing. It's in the releasing of God's presence into my life that I am able to actually draw people to actually do something that advances them towards Jesus Christ and change their lives in the process. My third point is this, that resting in His presence requires surrender. Resting in His presence requires surrender. If I'm going to rest in God's presence, it requires that I surrender control to Him. Martha is in His presence, yet she desires to maintain control. She had a plan coming in, and this is not working out at all like she planned it. She's invited God in here, and she has an agenda. And she's determined that she's going to accomplish her agenda. But it's in the surrender that the presence of God is released into our lives. It's in really submitting to Him, sitting at His feet hearing His Word, that we truly find uh, His presence being released in our lives and that's when it begins to change us. A key to understanding this point is this, you can be near His presence and not truly be in His presence. There's a difference between being near His presence and being in His presence. Every Sunday you come into this church, I promise you, you are near His presence. But whether or not you walk into His presence is entirely up to each of us as individuals. That's your choice. All we can do is build an atmosphere, create an opportunity, 
and you have to decide that I'm going to walk into the presence of God. I'm going to actually engage Him and come close to Him. I have to choose to enter into His presence. It requires my desire. First, I've got to want to. And then it requires my surrender. Am I willing to do what it takes to go the distance with God? Martha knows she needs Him, but she is letting other things get the best of her in this situation. How many times are we near His presence yet refuse to enter into His presence? How many times are we unable to engage Him because other things are distracting us? Other things are pulling us away from really doing what God is asking us to do. Martha operates as though, here in the text, Martha operates as though she is doing a service for Him. Think about it. Martha is operating as though she is doing a service for him when in reality he's doing a service for her. We don't do God favors by simply showing up. We don't do God any favors by just showing up. God's presence is what we need. He doesn't need our presence. We need His presence. And so just showing up isn't enough, but going into a deeper place with Him. Actually walking past the outer court, into the inner court, and then walking into the Holy of Holies place with God. That's what changes our lives. It's because we are doing Him a favor. He's doing us one. And when He shows up in this place, we ought to respond to Him as though, praise God, His presence has filled this house and I'm thankful that He's chosen one more time to show up in my life and to do something for me. John 10.10 tells us this way. He says, I have come that you, Martha, may have life. You have not come that he may have life. He has come that you may have life. And so just showing up isn't enough. We've got to show up and we've got to engage. We've got to engage. Somebody look at me and smile or something. It's a scary crowd this morning. Luke 10, 41. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. And I, I can just hear the way that he says this to her. He doesn't raise his voice. I bet he says it so softly. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. And here's the fourth point I want to make to you is that you are either in God's presence or you're not. You can't be in the presence of God and the presence of other things at the same time. Martha can't rest and really engage Christ because she's much too worried about the house, the serving, and now she's got Mary who's doing nothing and it's driving her crazy. She is in the presence of a lot of things when she needs to simply be in the presence of Jesus. She is there to impress rather than to be impressed upon. She is there to shine rather than let the great light shine on her. She is there to receive recognition rather than recognize who's actually in the room. Martha's focus on the house, the serving, all the things that she's doing ultimately culminates in focusing on Mary. And Mary's the one that gets 
it pinned on her finally. She even goes as far as to tell Jesus what to do about it. Don't you like that? She's banged pots as long as she can bang them. She's, she's done. She burned herself trying to keep the meal going. She's, she's had it. All of her world's crumbling down around her. And Mary is the great patsy here in this situation. She's going to be the one that gets pinned on. And so she goes to Jesus and she's fed up and she says, Hey, Jesus, this is what you need to do. How many times do we do that? How many times do we do that? Here, God, I've been thinking about my wife and here's, the, here's what I think you need to do. God, I've been thinking about my Sunday school teacher and, and uh, here's what I think we ought to do about this situation. Or My boss is, you know how he is, God, and this is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to send a plague. I'd like you to... True? How ridiculous is it when we read it in the passage, but yet it doesn't seem so ridiculous when it's us, the one saying it. Until some preacher points it out. She tells Jesus, tell my sister to help me. Tell her that what she's doing is not what is supposed to be done. Again, Martha has her own agenda here. And so in light of her agenda, what Mary's doing is not what's supposed to be done. But Jesus isn't there to do Martha's agenda. And Jesus doesn't come to this church to do my agenda or your agenda or anybody else's agenda. He has his own. And what we've got to learn to do, myself included, is learn to tap into his agenda each and every week. God, what do you want from me today? How can I advance your kingdom today? How can I be partnered with you in what you're trying to accomplish today? Martha is way too focused on what Mary's not doing rather than what she is doing or what she should be doing. Because the fact is, Martha isn't responsible for Mary. Martha is responsible for Martha. And when it comes to walking into the presence of God and engaging the presence of God, you're not responsible for your neighbor. You're not responsible for anybody else. You're responsible for you. How many times do we miss the presence of God because we are too focused on the wrong things? Well, God, it's uh, winding down to about 11.47 here, and uh, if you're going to show up, you better do it quick because at 12, I'm gone. <laughs> Cowboys are on, roast in the oven. I got a lot of things happening, so chop, chop. <laughs> and we start telling God what to do again. Something that I want to point out that I think is important is that Martha's not necessarily wrong for the way that she is waiting on Jesus. And I think she gets a bad rap sometimes because, you know, she's not wrong for doing what she does. It's probably the way that she feels most um, alive. It's probably the way that she feels most connected. Uh, I'm not a sitter. Uh, If I was in that situation, I'd probably be helping Martha. I mean, because... It's just what I do. I mean, that's just who I am. And so she's not wrong for being who she is. What she's wrong about is trying to conform someone else to her image and trying to make somebody else be what she is. 
Martha would have been fine. Jesus was not reprimanding her for her doing what she's doing. He's reprimanding her because she's trying to make everybody else in the room do what she's doing. And where we fail and where we struggle is when we get caught up in what everybody else is doing around us instead of just doing our own thing. Focusing on our own situation and rowing our own boat. You're not rowing that right. You're not doing that right. You need to hold the oar the other hand. You need to, listen, row your own boat. Live your own walk. Serve, serve God the way you serve God. Wait on God the way you wait on God. Find ways to connect with Him. Find ways to rest in His presence and, and do that. And don't criticize someone else or, or judge someone else because they're not doing it your way. The problem is she's trying to conform Mary to her image when Mary is trying to conform to the image of Christ. My way may not be your way, but that's okay. My worship may not look like your worship, and that's just fine. When we come into this place, I like seeing a diversity of worship styles in the house. And we're not a church... That, that wants to conform everybody to a single pattern. What we want is diversity in our church. We want people to worship God in a way that they feel connected to God and then be able to express themselves in ways that, that connect them to the Lord and not be bound by some method or some practice or my way of doing something. When there's freedom like that in the house, man, God will show up in big ways. So let me balance that though with this. That our worship of God needs to be between us and Him. But it needs to be such that it draws you to Him without creating a chasm between someone else and Him. You hear what I'm saying? My worship between me and God needs to be between me and God. But it should not infringe on somebody else's ability to worship God. It needs to be in a way that draws others to Him and not pushes people away from him. And so that doesn't give you a pass to be obnoxious in the house of God. But it does give you an ability to worship him in freedom with others in mind in the process. Because the Bible says in John 12, 32, that if I, and I, if I am lifted up, this is Jesus talking, from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. When we truly engage him in a way that honors him, then it draws people to him. Luke 10, 42. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. And my last point is simply this. Choose the good part. What is the good part? It's that part that puts you in the presence of God and gives you a chance to grow in him and to find rest in him. He says to Martha, but one thing is needed. One thing is needed. What is the one thing that is needed? It is needed that we come into God's presence, that we find rest and restoration from Him, and that we come to Him and learn from Him. He says, come unto me and learn from me. And so when we come into His presence and we find that place where we can truly learn from God, we are choosing the good part. He goes on to say, this will not be taken away from her. God won't let anyone take it from you. But I will say to you that you can give it away if you choose to. God won't let anybody take it from you, but you can give it away if you choose to. 
Mary could have given in to the pressure of conformity by trying to please Martha and forfeited the best part in the process. Now I want to talk to you for just a minute here because I think this is good for all of us in the room. Pressure of conformity will try to guilt you into doing things that you were never meant to do and never supposed to do. Your goal is not to please everybody around you. It's not to please it's not even to please your family or, or, your, or anybody else for that matter. It is to please God. And that has to be first and foremost in your life. Mary could have given in to the pot slinging and the blowing and the sighing and all the frustration and got up just so Martha would shut up. But she didn't do it. She focused instead rather on what Jesus was doing in her life currently did not give in to the pressures around her. And I'm saying to everybody in this room, don't give in to the pressure around you. You serve God. You serve Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You do what He's asking you to do. And don't buckle under the pressure of conformity around you. You just keep doing what God's asking you to do. Because again, I am responsible for me when it comes to pleasing God. And this governs the way I interact with and react to people. I'm going to choose the good part and I'm not going to throw it away no matter what anyone thinks or does. I'm not forfeiting my time with Jesus because somebody else thinks I ought to be doing something different. Amen. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burke Burnett, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river.